so niche, though. Like, I feel like people who aren't in psychedelics, like, don't know that iboga is a thing. Yeah, it's kind of like a random one. I mean, I didn't know about it until I got into psychedelics. But, like, I'm high-key pretty scared of it, so... Yeah, with good reason. I don't even think it has... Like, it has traditional use, but not as a psychedelic. It's a pretty terrifying drug. Yeah. What does it do? From my understanding, you experience a very out-of-body thing, but it can last up to, like, three days. I'm good. And if you have heart problems, like, people die. Yeah, and it's, like, psychedelic, but also dissociative, so it's in this kind of weird, like, middle ground. Yeah, this in-between. Yeah. I interviewed the guy's wife. I don't know, people who, I've noticed how people who are, like, really into boga are, like, really... Like, really into like Really it. into boga? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, damn, that's it's wild. It's like a sacrament, almost. And, like, I understand that, too, but, like... Welcome to the first ever bonus episode of the Tripsitter Podcast, where we demystify psychoactive substances, break down the science behind them, and discuss the crazy world of psychedelic culture. Like when you accidentally mix up your microdosing schedule, but you happen to be on a day off anyways, we hope you enjoy this unexpected trip. This will be our first ever bonus episode. Yeah, I think we'll launch it right on Halloween. Oh my god, for like the most loyal subscribers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just so elite, and if you don't get it, you're banned. Exactly. <laughs> I don't make it's the rules, sorry. You're banned. <laughs> So what are we talking about today? What are we talking about? First of all, we should probably go ahead and do our introductions. For sure. Hello, I am Rowan Zioli. I am a writer for Tripsitter. I am Justin. I'm the founder, editor-in-chief of Tripsitter. And I am James. I am also a contributor for Tripsitter. Joining us today is our first return guest that we've ever released an episode for, although we did record one. But <laughs> it's our first one that we've released with a return guest, first friend of the show. You may know her from, uh, it's, uh, oh, what's the name of it? Shroomtown? Shroomtown, Sophie yes. Land. <laughs> yeah, you may know her from Sophie Land, from Shroomtown, Sophie Land being her podcast, oh. Shroomtown being her substack. I'm going to say that again because my dog just barked. <laughs> It's the eclipse, honestly. The eclipse um, and the full moon happening like a couple days ago, making everything real wonky. Yeah, weird energies. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> and he's gone. I'm telling you, though, things have been real wild. Like, astro I think astrology also really ties into witchcraft. I think they're, like, kind of inherently linked, and psychedelics are a whole part of that as well. Oh, yeah. But, like, oh, boy, shit's been wild weird yeah it's been really like weird and like bad psychic energy all around though mm -hmm. like people are not happy obviously yeah 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 there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world right now when we are recording this currently hi i'm back Welcome back, Welcome James. Welcome back. I am going to scream. <laughs> okay, so I don't know where we should pick it up from. I guess I already kind of led you in. Uh, Sophie is joining us today. Welcome back, Sophie. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me back. I love Tripsitter, and I'm so excited to be talking on a podcast again. I love to chit-chat, <laughs> and I especially love to chit-chat with you guys. A good little gab. Talk with us a little bit about what we're going to be discussing today, and... I think that you've maybe written some or planned to write some on the topic. I think we've talked about it in the past, but yeah, go ahead and introduce us to it. Yeah, we're going to be talking about witches and drugs, a little Halloween-y episode. Mm -hmm. Mostly like Middle Ages, early modern period, Ooh. witchcraft in 
Western Europe specifically, mm-hmm. like our definition of that from there. And I will be writing a little something for Tripsitter about it, but it is not due for today's. <laughs> so <laughs> it is not done yet. <laughs> Thanks for the generous deadline extension. <laughs> Professional yeah. procrastinators over here. Mm-hmm. I wrote, I gave a talk about this at the Soho House Toronto back in September. It was a lot of fun. Witches and our, like, knowledge of them from the Middle Ages is so much fun to me. Because it's really just, like, ladies having fun. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They were like, oh my god, how dare you? <laughs> like, kill them. <laughs> and, like, all the troubles started with, like, just one guy. If you could, mm, like, yeah. like, just one man really ruined the fun for everybody in the 1400s. Who is that As man? it goes. Yeah, let's start there. His name was Heinrich Kramer, and he wrote this super mean book called The <laughs> Malaeus Maleficarum. I feel like I'm saying it wrong. And it was published mm-hmm. in 1486. Mm. It was basically like a witch hunting guide. And it just had all these lists of like how to identify witches. And this guy was like, he was very like lusty for women, obviously. And he just was mad about it. Obviously. So he obviously. was like, oh, by the way, like they're doing witchcraft. And also witchcraft is heresy. So like heresy was a crime at the time, punished by burning at the stake. So like, I don't get why you guys aren't punishing witches by burning at the stake. The logic is mm. solid, you know? <laughs> right? Like, it, I mean, it tracks. <laughs> Then he went to, like, the faculty of Cologne, and he was like, hey, like, theologians, can you, like, vouch for my book? And they were like, no, this is so bad. Like, this is illegal. This goes against, like, what the church even believes about demonology. The theologians at Cologne were not about it, but it became, like, weirdly popular with lay people, and the book, like, had so much influence that other people wrote their own witch hunting guides, and, you know, everything spiraled from there. Because before the 14-1500s, like, people were not getting in trouble for being a witch, really. Like, if you were getting in trouble for being a witch, they would just put you, like, in the stocks. Mm. Those, like, awkward, like... Yeah. Get tomatoes thrown at you. Yeah. So you're, like, having a bad night. What kind of stuff is in this book? Like, how how do you catch a witch? What are the signs of a witch? How can our listeners learn how to hunt witches? How can I identify a witch? Okay, so basically, there's four main things that are, like, going to make a witch. You can give up the Catholic faith. Oh, well, that makes sense. Okay, first Can't thing, be a witch in a Catholic. Yeah. Can't all be right. Catholic. Just, there's no Venn diagram? No, like, no not at all. <laughs> there's no mysticism in Catholicism at all. Brujeria doesn't <laughs> exist. So first things first, you give up the Catholic faith. Okay, number two, this is important. You have to dedicate yourself to evil. Okay, there's no good witches either then. Mm. No, no, there's no good witches at all. Then you have to be giving unbaptized children to raw to the devil. Ah. (laughs) Uh, Yes, raw children. Mm, Perfect. (laughs) Unmarinated. Yeah, the devil likes some raw and unbaptized. (laughs) Hold on. Was there an actual use of the term raw to refer to an unbaptized child? (laughs) That was all me. (laughs) That was me, my creativity. I like to believe that that was the like medieval way of saying unbaptized it's still raw (laughs) ye old raw baby ye raw baby Um, and then after you give the devil um, baptized children you're also constantly having orgies and sex with the devil I mean it sounds like a fun time Okay. that was a big theme the sex with the devil thing and this all happened at night Mm. mind you okay so like all this is happening at night there's all these women having like sex with the devil that was the main thing of it it was like these women had temptation they were very easily tempted by the thought of sex with the devil. A weird thing for him to focus yeah, on. Yeah, it was very, like, it was very erotic. Well, they're having sex with the devil and not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they must be wrong. All these hot alt girls, you know, they're really... <laughs> yeah. 
He just needed to be in the 21st century. He just needed yeah. to see an e-girl. He yeah. would have been fine. Like He just wanted like a big titty goth girlfriend. <laughs> How you can tell that a woman is a witch. Number one, she's hot. Number two, she won't sleep with me. Must be a witch. <laughs> must, must be a, be a witch. witch burner at the stake. Yeah. yeah. They also had like a bunch of other stuff that they did. Like most of it was like around hanging out with the devil, like ragging on Christianity, lots of like orgies. That was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just having sex, like you're having a fucking orgy. With Doing like the friends. big naked ceremonies in the woods under the full yeah, moon. Yeah, we're all holding hands. Maximum with debauchery. Child killings. That was a big thing. And oh. like the cannibalism. But a lot of it, like, the theme is pretty much the same. You're meeting at night to kill children, maybe eat them, and have sex with the devil. Okay. Was any of this based on, like, any reality? Like, what what was an actual witch in, like, the 1400s? It would be, like, women. Mm. Regular women, widowed and, like, too happy about it. (laughs) Divorced, too happy about it. Like, a midwife that, like, was too good at her job. (laughs) Too many people survived. Too many people were healed. Childbirth rate is is concerningly low. This midwife's up to something. (laughs) Herbalist, right? Obviously, like, immigrants. Vulnerable people, old people. Mostly women, sometimes men, but not so much. Just, like, people that deviated from the norm that were from vulnerable populations. And, like, to me, what I think is interesting was that, yes, it was mostly women, but they tried to, like, erase the femininity of these women and, like, dehumanize them. But they were like, oh, they're, like, causing infertility and they make the cow's milk go sour and they also kill babies. So, like, what kind of women are they, right? Because uh... at the time, in the medieval times, your whole job as a woman is to have babies. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of these stereotypes also come from, like, racist, anti semitic stuff from like roma people or from jewish people so like that's a whole huge part of this too that like oh these people with non-christian values gotta be doing witchcraft yeah exactly it was very anti-semitic for sure the middle ages were not nice to jewish people or the roma people at all yeah it's interesting that there's so much around like you're making us infertile but traditional like witchy herbs a lot of them are fertility enhancers more than anything else there's only a few that maybe you could argue are like abortifacients or something like that yeah like mandrake is one is one fertility that was in the bible right that was in which mandrake yeah mandrake rachel maybe Mm. maybe you know more james rachel had the mandrake yeah i i know i know of it being mentioned but i i couldn't say exactly how but yeah, like a lot of the fertility stuff, because I think there's also like a lot of shame around it. Also, like a lot of women would go to witches or medicine women because they weren't able to get pregnant or because some failure of the man to be able to impregnate the woman. So obviously it was the witch's fault that this was yeah. happening. Yeah, I think it's really wild too. I think like a lot of the time today, even when like maybe heteronormative couples like are having trouble with fertility, it's always like a woman that has to go through fertility testing first instead mm-hmm. of a man. Like we always assume that it's a woman's problem. Isn't there also, like, the, the symbols of witches, also, like, the the broom and stuff has to do with brewing beer? I don't know about that. I didn't come across that with reading. The broomstick is fun for me because the broomstick is, like, not even the OG witch belief. One of the things is that they used to be able to, like, fly around on anything. They used to fly in eggshells, like... They used to fly on eggshells? How? <laughs> yeah, because they're witches. They can do anything. <laughs> they're magic. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, they're magic. But it's interesting, so I found this, like, image in, like, the side of, like, a medieval book. It's from 1440, and that's, like, the first drawing of witches and brooms, but that was kind of... They were just flying on anything, because, okay, this is where this came from, okay? 
they have this theory that all the women who are witches, they are meeting at night, they're, they're having these elaborate orgies, they're stealing babies, they're curdling the milk of cows, but no one's noticing how they're leaving their houses and roaming the streets. How are they getting there? Okay, they must be mm, flying. Makes sense. <laughs> Only makes yeah. sense. That's good right, logic. Yeah, had, had to find a reason for it. So they were like, okay, clearly they're flying. I couldn't just be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Absolutely they're getting there not. somewhere. <laughs> Isn't there something to do with this, like, flying ointment that they would make of psychoactive herbs? And they would apply them by, like, douching them? Oh, my God. And then that's kind of where the idea of the broomstick came from. Like, they're riding the broomstick, you know? Right. I know. It's so funny. We can thank Michael Pollan for this lie and rumor. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, listen. The flying ointment was real. It was, like, a mix of all the herbs that they used. So, like, hen's bane and the detera. And sometimes they had, like, amanita in there. Like, random animal parts, mugwort, things like that. But it was, yeah, it was mostly, like, psychoactive herbs. So, like, wolfsbane, um, the belladonna, stuff like that. You put it all together and then you would apply it like on your armpits and around like sensitive areas so like yeah like on your vulva right if you're a woman and then it would absorb and you would get super high and you know a lot of the time you would die and because these are all toxic herbs because these are all toxic poisonous herbs and then like michael pollan in his book a botany of desire which i don't remember what year came about but he wrote that i have a quote he said these ingredients would be combined in a hemp seed oil based flying ointment that the witches would then administer vaginally using a special dildo which is not true I did some more digging into this, and the source that he got this from was taken out of context. This was just a rumor. They would just get high and or die, and mm. nobody was masturbating with a broomstick. <laughs> Maybe somebody was, but not enough people that it was like a, a known movement. Yeah. I mean, we can't say nobody, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't know that. Maybe somebody was. That definitely sounds like a over-sensationalized thing for sure. I could see how that could be like something someone would run with just because it would be interesting enough in a book and might not necessarily look into beyond that. That's interesting. Yeah, it also like popped off in like the 60s and 70s when like people were starting to feel more like sexually liberated, feminism was coming through, like this idea of witches being these like sexually empowered women who are like having fun with psychedelics, that really took hold in the 60s when these out-of-context studies came out. so i don't have like the full research here but i'll send you guys like the sources but it is pretty interesting yeah well even like bewitched was all about sexy witches and stuff wasn't it bewitched oh and like sabrina Yeah, I mean, Sabrina was a teenage witch, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. But, but then her aunts, <laughs> her, her aunt, aunt witches, witches were, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like the supernatural kind of vibes, like yeah. that's still like hot yeah. to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, like people are all up in that Twilight vibe. Mm-hmm. I can see the vampire thing coming back very soon. You know, are there like modern witches? Modern witches? Oh yeah, there are a lot of modern oh, yeah. witches. That's yeah, a there's some thing. like ladies doing Wicca for sure. Mm-hmm. But like this would be like these witches are different from like women and people today who identify as witches who are practicing Wicca, right? Like these are people that were chilling, minding their business, then accused of being a witch. They're herbalists, basically. Yeah, they're just herbalists. I'm sure not to deny though, because I do think that like magic does exist, and mm-hmm. I think that there are wizards and witches. I think people were doing magic, but in this kind of like specific context i think that that witch of the early modern period was just a lady with a little too much herbal knowledge 
<laughs> There's also like the aspect of like sensationalized witchcraft versus practicing witchcraft and the like traditions of witchcraft that these all came from were all very internal experiences like astral travel and astral projection is a very big part of traditional oh, witchcraft. Yeah. And so like the idea of like flying ointment is very possibly like a western esoteric tradition of astral projection or astral travel using kind of coded language because a lot of traditions and oral traditions especially when it is supposed to be like protected like witchcraft and it is a very closed practice quote unquote uses a lot of coded language in mm. that way so like going through the eons and the generations miscommunications and like bastardizations i guess of these mm. words kind of evolve yeah yeah for sure there's a lot of that in like shamanic culture too of astral projection or or uh what do you call that when you like project yourself into an animal like a bird or something you can like travel around mm -hmm. this kind uh, of idea like warging in the game of thrones <laughs> yeah warging yeah yeah that's a, that's the <laughs> so I, was, I was thinking like yeah. Animorphs, you guys yeah, that yeah. Oh my god, yeah, with the epic covers. The... Oh my god, the covers <laughs> slapped. You know what else I liked? I liked the ones where you could like, choose your own adventure. Like, I always died, but... Oh, like, Goosebumps <laughs> had a lot of those. Oh my god, yeah, I always Don't died we all show. always die? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about modern magic. You said that you, you do believe that magic is something that does exist, that wizards and witches are real, have been real, etc., can you talk a little bit about, in your opinion, what real magic is and what real magic is not? Like Rowan was saying, there's a lot of sensationalism around magic. And so, yeah, just break down a little bit about like what you what you believe that real magic looks like. I don't know. It's hard to tell because like I am not a practicing witch and I don't really like identify with that in terms of my existence, but I do really like esotericism. So I guess my question is like, is witchcraft the same as like esotericism and mysticism and all this stuff or is it not? You know, like, you're reading, like, Manly P. Hall and <laughs> Crowley. Like, were they doing magic or were they just doing crafts? Mm -hmm, it's hard yeah. for me to say, like, what is magic, but I always, like, refer back to this Chuck Klosterman question in his, like, hypotheticals where he says, okay, you meet a magician and he can do five basic tricks and he can pull a bunny out of a hat, like, pull a coin from behind your ear, whatever. But he can do it with real magic. Like, you find out that he's just conjuring this rabbit out of the mm -hmm. ether. Who's more impressive, him or Albert Einstein? <laughs> Yeah. And I've always been like, well, clearly the magician, yeah. mm -hmm. right? But then, like, is that what magic is? I don't know. Because I have friends that, like, practice Wicca, so, like, sometimes I'll go to the park with them, and they'll be like, I have to collect dirt. I'm making spell jars. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is this magic? <laughs> is this I... what magic is? Because magic is, like, you know, if we're basing it off of the medieval witch beliefs, like, yeah, you're gathering ingredients, you're making a potion, a mm -hmm. collection of sorts, and you're infusing that with intention, you know, some magic words, spells, and stuff like that that gives the objects the power. So I guess I wonder, like, does magic come from within? Is it something you learn? Are you born with it, like, in Harry Potter? Do you learn it, like, you're in, um... There's, like, other series, like, Toto's book series, where it's, like, something that you acquire, mm. right? Can I just cast spells, or do I have to put magic onto an object and have that act for me? And, like, what's the limitations of it? Ideally, like, I would make a cat talk. <laughs> yeah, that would be your, like, your first spell, your go-to spell. If I could learn one spell, that's the spell I'd learn. Like, make the animal yeah. talk. <laughs> Yeah. In, in English. I think there's also, like, there's a lot of traditions of witchcraft. Like, Wicca is a very specific, like, neo-pagan yeah. tradition, and, like, a lot of people who come from other, like, green witch traditions or Jewish mysticism or Catholic mysticism or brujeria do not agree with, like, Wicca because there's a lot of transphobia in Wicca, specifically. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know. Uh, and a lot of gendered aspects of it, of, like, you can only perform certain rituals or be in certain spaces if you are a cisgender woman or a cisgender man. 
embodying those magic traditions are only possible through the circumstances of your birth. And like, yeah, there are so many different ways that magic can like manifest. And it is just this kind of energy aspect that comes from an oral tradition of energetic transport coming back through each person. And personally, I think magic is a little bit what we're doing right now, like the transfer of information and joy and energy from one person to another person. Mm -hmm. And you can really do that in any form. Like reading a book is magic. Yeah. I fully yeah believe yeah. that oh that's such a wholesome view but you're really right around about like there's so many other magic traditions that are not just wicca like jewish mysticism especially like, there's so much going on there that people don't know about like mm -hmm. judaism is so much mystery and magic in it that's so old and people kind of just brush it to the side because they don't really know it like people only know like kabbalah but there's so much more than yeah. that mm -hmm. to yeah it. i guess i've always kind of felt like it's kind of similar to like a lot of other religions trying to place a name on an unnameable thing, a force within life that we all feel and experience and can give and receive from each other and from objects and people put whatever term they kind of want to on that. And I think magic is as good as any other one. And I, <laughs> I kind of, I've always kind of liked that. I went to Portugal last year and I got to travel to Centra, which is like this, it used to be a vacation home for rulers in Lisbon. So it's this really beautiful like countryside full of all these super huge like medieval looking castles that were built in like the early 1900s because everyone wanted to show off their wealth. <laughs> but it's like one of those places that people consider to be like an energy vortex in in the world or whatever mm. and i knew that going into it so it could have even just been the placebo but that's the only place i've ever said felt magical wow. you know you stand there and there's something that's like so beautiful or awe-inspiring or different and unique in your experience in life that you just feel like the energy from it flowing through you and i like i totally understand where that like energy vortex idea comes from I just think, like, my personal opinion is that it can be kind of anywhere. <laughs> I think there's also something really interesting. You just mentioned the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. Like, isn't that magic? Yeah, totally. Like, the fact that your brain can change the fact that you feel pain. Your brain can, like, alter your lived experience. So and, like, true. that itself. That's magic. Like, turning expectations into reality. Like, putting the intention of, like, oh, when I light this candle... If we're going to Catholicism, when I light this candle, I'm lighting it for a certain purpose, mm. and it is going to impact the energy of the world around me. Yeah. That's magic. <laughs> or even the fact that you are only able to live the life that you live because of completely different animals that live within your gut and body <laughs> that like control things on a completely different level that you have no say in and somehow your brain yeah. is able to control all of that and make you think about it there's all these things about life that are just so much more magical than i think we give them credit for but once you step beyond that you realize wow it's insane that life exists in any form even as a plant an unconscious plant is just wild that it's there <laughs> i think that's such an interesting take and i think what you said before where you were like oh it's just an explanation for like something i've always thought that but in terms of the human like need for god which is like something that has existed throughout all civilizations remember like imagine being a caveman and it rains yeah no that had to be wild. you know like how are you gonna like you'd be like oh my god like you have no context for that so you have to explain it with something supernatural so you get god right like i feel like humans have always had a need for something supernatural something bigger than them called source the universe god whatever word you want to use to describe mm. it there's like 
cave paintings that are really old. There's one called, like, The Sorcerer. Oh, yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. And the author, Reza Aslan, who wrote a lot of really good books about Islam and God and this, like, human concept of God and religion, he thinks that this drawing is, like, a human being's, like, first actual attempt to illustrate God mm. on cave art, which I think is really interesting. So then I guess, like, is, is God magic? Yeah. Is magic God? I don't know. It's really interesting to think about because you're like, oh, we can't live without all these like little things in our bodies. Like this plant life is magic, but a realist might be like, no, it's science. <laughs> well, there's this quote by Arthur C. Clarke, the British science fiction author, that's like any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, yeah. which is just this idea of like fucking what's on our phones. The fact that we can connect through Crazy. space and time <laughs> to yeah, communicate. The internet what? is magic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> How are we talking right now? Well, and even <laughs> modern religion was built off of the prehistoric religion too because like the biblical creationism story i mean i don't, I don't want to ruffle a whole bunch of feathers but it's not really meant to be like a historical account mm -hmm. it's meant to be an answer to the religions that are already there as a way to try to persuade them to change their opinion about who they should follow and so mm. when god puts the sun in the sky my god is putting your sun god in his place and it's showing that my god is over your gods <laughs> and so wow. we think of like our current religions as being built off of something like bigger than the prehistoric ones but a lot of them flow straight through it mm -hmm. super interesting and then you get psychedelics <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now let's talk about psychedelics and witchcraft how they might have been used i know we've talked a little bit about the amanita but what other kind of plants or anything like that that you might know? Well, from what I was able to find was that obviously the mandrake was a big part of it. And I think the mandrake on its own has like a really interesting lore mm. where they were like, oh, like you guys remember like Harry Potter? Where they like pull <laughs> yeah, out the hand yeah. of the mandrake and it's screaming it's like at screaming. you. It's screaming. Yeah. But that was like an actual like rumor that was around in like the Mediterranean, like where it was found. Like they were like, you better not pull it out because it's going to scream at you and it screams so loud and it's so ugly that you're going to die. <laughs> and if you do want to pull it out, you have to do it in this very specific way which is you go at night with your dog and, <laughs> and you like tie your dog to the leaves of the mandrake because it's a root and then you give your dog a snack and then the dog will chase the snack and pull out the mandrake and that's like the only way that you can get it without dying also plug your ears obviously but the dog might die can nothing can be done about the dog <laughs> okay, the dog is, is gone he might die from the screaming. Yeah. That kind of makes sense because the mandrake is like extremely toxic. So I think if you had like cuts in your hands while you're digging or something and you're pulling this root up, I, I can see how that might kill people, right? And these stories kind of start from there. Yeah, yeah it is super toxic. Definitely don't eat it. So what did witches use mandrake for then once they somehow dug it up from the ground with their dogs? It was like used as a cure for insanity, like a pain reliever. Kind of the opposite thing it does when you take it. <laughs> makes yeah, you I don't know. Maybe they would like dilute it or turn it into a potion. Because it makes you really sleepy, right? I know that in later years, like not in the medieval times, but like slightly later, they would kind of use it as an anesthetic in a way. Mm -hmm. Because it would make you fall asleep and then they could just... Do whatever they wanted. Yeah. Do whatever they wanted. You have to wake up, maybe. And, you know, because it is mandrake. <laughs> The root, like, looks like a person, too, right? I think that, yeah. so they used to dry it out and they keep it as, like, a protective talisman, almost. Because there's male and female ones, right? Mm. So the male ones, I think, are bigger. But, yeah, they are very funny looking. There's actually, like, five different species. Like, it's Mandagora, the genus, and then five species under it of mandrake. But, yeah, it just makes you sleepy. But because it was shaped like a person, that's why it was associated with fertility. That makes sense, Because yeah. of the, like, body shape. Mm. But whether or not it actually helped with fertility is unknown. Yeah. Unlikely, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I read somewhere that 
the belief that I was gonna scream and yell at you or whatever is because it emerged as a deterrent against theft because they were so highly valued. Mm. Which I guess kind of makes sense. Like, if you don't want people to take your plant, you make up some... I mean, who's gonna prove you wrong? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, if you take it, the plant is, has its own alarm system. <laughs> They're like, no. You're like, well, do it then. I don't care. Yeah. We'll see what happens. See what happens. See what happens. I'm not scared. Yeah. I'm not the one that's gonna get screamed at and die, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and then they were also like super into Datura. I know you guys have articles on the Datura. I'm obsessed with this plant, dude. Like, I'm always it's on Arrowwood reading about people having these scripts on it. Like, when I was in Rwanda earlier this year, I met this couple. They're from Kenya, and I was talking to the girl, and she was telling me that one time her dad took it. He like disappeared for three days. Extremely long. Yeah, it lasts a long time. Yeah. I mean, they found it after. They found it after. Good. Just a little shaken up. <laughs> like, no pants, confused. Yeah. <laughs> That's like one of the few herbs that is like truly hallucinogenic, mm. you know, like with LSD and mushrooms, it's hallucinogenic, but you're not actually inventing new information. Yeah. These herbs invent new information. Yeah. You'll have conversations with people that aren't there. They're not, not there. A lot of people have these phantom cigarettes they're smoking and then suddenly it's gone. Yeah. It's like, what, you know? That's crazy. Yeah, but it's crazy. That also makes sense though. If say like a medicine woman is giving you or a witch is giving you some herbal treatments, she's giving you some detera, like whatever mix that she's giving you and you have a fucking vision of the <laughs> devil, you're like, ah, yes, this woman is working with the devil, 100%. Yeah, because the debtor is so powerful. You think they're real. So you would go home and you'd be like, okay, this actually happened. I saw them having orgies with the devil, and this is the fact. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it was so, just yeah. showing the subconscious of the individual yeah. who was on the Yeah, Dutera. it is crazy. <laughs> the very horny dude and what he wanted to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These plants always seem to be really, like, dark as well. Like, you rarely hear of people that take the turret and they're like, yeah, I saw, like, unicorns and, like, happy stuff. It's always, like, people getting eviscerated and, like, the devil and like snakes coming out and there's some a lot of interesting stuff with that that it's so universal same with yeah. mandrake same with belladonna all of them yeah really like heavy visions also same with that like psychoactive fish that like people will eat in france sometimes and it will give people visions but the visions are always like horrible and it's like animals chasing them them being killed and eaten by the animals but yeah like apparently that was like super important to the witches like it was called witchweed and it's the one that's listed in every recipe for the flying ointment like they were like ride or die like can't make flying or men without Datura. Like if you die, it doesn't matter. Um, you have to have it. That and the deadly nightshade, I think. But they're they have the yeah. same chemistry. Basically. Yeah, very yeah, similar. Deadly nightshade. And both are extremely variable in terms of potency. And so it's it's so hard to know your dose with anything. But this is the thing with like a lot of these traditional healers and a lot of like witchcraft is like very like ritual based. It's because there's specific times of the year that they're more reliable. Like, you yeah, know, if we true. pick Datura mm -hmm. at the specific time or a certain amount of time after heavy rains or something, it's going to be the strongest or the safest mm -hmm. or something like that. Something that we've kind of stepped away from now where a herb is just a herb. Don't yeah. really consider that, like, it's constantly evolving. Like, uh, it's alive, too. It's chemistry. It's alive, too, yeah. and it's producing different chemicals for different reasons at different times of the year, different areas. You know, plants harvested at high altitudes versus low altitudes are very different, like all this stuff. And I think it's interesting, like a lot of the witchcraft stuff, they time around moon cycles and seasonal, and that's mm -hmm. has the most relationship with how plants are going to evolve throughout the Definitely. course of the year. Yeah. So they knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were aware. Like, people knew about this plant for a long time. If you want to know a fun fact, ladies in Venice used to use the belladonna's, like, eye drops to make their pupils big because that was supposed to be, like, a very hot and sexy that's thing right, yeah. and that's where the name comes that, from yeah. right belladonna beautiful woman yeah. but it's like you know you could have just done cocaine and had a better time <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. want big pupils i don't know if they invented cocaine yet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> someone did maybe just not in italy <laughs> yeah when 
when I was in Italy, I went to a vineyard that exclusively harvested their grapes at night because they said that it was better to do so before the sun was beating down on them. Totally. Wow, cool. Jasmine flowers yeah. are the same. Yeah. There's different kinds of like teas too. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard of Gaiokuro tea. It's a type mm. of green tea. And they've learned the plants that grow in the like shadier parts that aren't exposed to sun produce more umami flavor. Wow. So what they would do is they'll shade their plants about two weeks before they harvest it and they can alter the chemical and therefore the taste and the medicinal qualities of the tea yeah. that way. That's really cool. Yeah. I was just reading about tea too and there used to be a, they called it like monkey tea and they called it that because it was so high up in the trees that only trained monkeys could go up and grab it and it was supposed to be like the strongest green tea. Feels like they're just justifying to themselves going through all that effort to train a monkey to go grab green tea. I mean, good for the monkey for having that skill. So what else? What other like herbs are associated with witchcraft? Henbane, which, you know, was popping with the Vikings. They were like mm. going to go berserker with the henbane. But that has a long history on its own. Like the Greeks liked it. Persia was it was a big thing in Persia. That's another nightshade, isn't it? I think these are all nightshades. It is a nightshade. Yeah, nightshades are like not good for you. I learned that tomatoes are nightshades. And I'm like, is that why I had acne when I was a kid? Like, yeah. well. <laughs> Tomato and potato and eggplant are all nightshades, and the leaves of them are all poisonous. I don't like eggplant, oh. um, so I'm safe with that one. But Just don't eat the leaves anyway. <laughs> I was planning on yeah, it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like in Persia, this guy was like drinking wine with henbane, and he went in like purgatory between like, you know, the current life and the afterlife, and then he came back and he would talk about it. And that's from like, that's like a Zoroastrian story. Mm. It's like a lot of these plants have a lot of associations with death, right? Like they're toxic, but also psychoactive. And that's kind of why I think so many people experience like horrific images, like death sort of images with these. So it kind of makes sense too, that they would use it as a way to kind of bridge the gap. It's like, if you didn't actually die, then you could come back and bring that information with you. Yeah. But you might also actually die and get basically stuck there. Yeah. It's interesting because the henbane was mostly used like topically because even they knew that if you ate it, you would die. But if you have it topically, you're fine. And then as we know, like the flying ointment was not drunk. It was applied to sensitive areas. Yeah, like mucous membrane type areas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I forgot the word. But like I was on Etsy, which is the Tumblr of e-commerce. <laughs> and people are selling flying ointment. Interesting. Like with these ingredients like these like i don't know if it's and... real or not it's really hard to tell because people on etsy are like you know little people on etsy will do some sketchy people stuff on etsy and... will do all sorts of things so it's hard to tell but i'm like very keen to buy one and see what the vibe is about but i also like do not want to try it on myself i'm just mm -hmm. curious but the handmade was interesting you're right, it did have like a death association. It was supposed to like invoke the soul of the dead. You were supposed to like use it to talk to demons, give you arousal. You can make weather. That was another big thing that the witches did, making weather. So if it's raining, witches fall. Blame a woman, of course, you know? <laughs> obviously. I think it's also really interesting that witches and people who are doing all of these pagan quote unquote activities are dealing with death and like giving this information of the afterlife when people who are like organizing Christian religions if you have that information that's just supposed to be like the priests, like only they get access to the information and they need to be the ones to give that to you. And if you're getting that from some lady who's giving you some drugs down the street, we can't have that. Then the no, church doesn't have, have power you, you anymore. You better go to church. Like, you can, that's why you can't read. The priest will read, <laughs> he'll tell you what it says. Don't worry about learning to read, okay? Just show up to church. <laughs> that's all you need in life. <laughs> oh my God. I actually have here like a trip report from this German scientist that took Henbane and his trip report is so bad. He's like, there were 
animals that looked at me keenly, terrifying stones. Like, if a rock is scary, like, you're having a bad time. <laughs> a witch's cauldron of madness. He says there was, like, blood everywhere. Animals everywhere. This whole fear. Very scary. And then Wolfsbane. Oh, Wolfsbane's another one. Yeah, they thought it would repel werewolves. Gives you a tummy ache. It was good for, like, pain relief, though. It was also a topical. Like, most of these things. As we're, like, leaning towards the end, you just mentioned cauldrons. I mentioned this before, but I, I want to look up to make sure. There is, like, a direct correlation. Women used to brew beer. And, right. like, having cauldrons and pointy hats and being brewers. And then when, like, men wanted to take over the brewing industry, it was a propaganda machine a little bit to make sure that women couldn't brew beer and it had to go into these businesses. It's really interesting how witchcraft and psychedelics, I mean, like, we kind of see this, like, this through line coming through to today where it's just this propaganda of twisting the truth in some different ways so people can go oh i recognize this enough that i can have the truth twisted and that's why people don't like psychedelics and people don't like witches so maybe <laughs> do some reading everyone i don't know and pay and start liking both <laughs> But Go yeah, on. no, that's super interesting. I didn't know that. That's really cool. I mean, I love this topic. I think it's so fun. There's so much like misinformation and weird knowledge. And obviously, like I spend a lot of time on Airwood, so I'm always reading people's trip reports with this stuff. What's crazy to me more than anything is that you could just be out here minding your business, eating a leaf, and then you could die or just have like the worst time of your life like why is this out here in nature yeah. why are you making this plant why is the datora existing who found out that this is the effect it does and then prioritized it in their recipe like i need to know if i could go back in time though i'd have all the answers mm -hmm. just gotta figure out time travel first <laughs> i feel like somebody already has the answer but we can talk about that on my next conspiracy theory podcast, which is that they already know how to time travel and they've mm, been back. There we go. Go off. <laughs> Who's they? <laughs> the government. Oh, the government. <laughs> exactly. They don't want you to know. Go check out James's article on Project, Project Stargate. Stargate. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, James isn't here to promote himself, so. So we we'll got to do it for him. him. Yeah, yeah everyone. James, unfortunately, his computer exploded, and so we're going to have to close out without him. Sophie, where can people find you on the internet? Oh my god, you can find me on my Substack, Sophie Miklova, on my Instagram, Sophie Does Everything, on my podcast, which is called Sophie Land. And also, I have another Substack with my friend Cam called Shroomtown, where we just talk about like fun stuff in the psychedelic space. I've got a cool interview coming up with the owner of Ontario, Canada's province in Canada. A lot of guys you might for not know what's know. going on. And for those who don't know what's happening in Canada, <laughs> we have provinces and not states. One of them is called Ontario. And... <laughs> Just a small and I have an interview coming up. Yeah, it's like not that important. And then we have an interview coming out with the owner of Ontario's first shroom shop. So that'll be really fun. I'm just editing the interview for that now. But yeah, cool stuff coming up on Shroom Town. Lots of drug exposés. And hopefully you guys like it. Thanks again for having me back. I love Tripsitter. I think you guys are doing awesome work. I love the chit chat. I wish we had our own show. Mm -hmm. We should just have a weekly call. Um, but yeah, just a little, little hangout. Let's do it. Just a little <laughs> Thank vibe. you so much for joining us again, Sophie. This was awesome. Thank Thanks, Sophie. Thanks, guys. Happy Halloween. -y. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our first ever bonus episode and have a happy Halloween. Make sure to check out Sophie's work at Sophie Land and Shroomtown. Tripsitter is supported by our fans. If you like the work we do and want to help support us doing it, become a premium subscriber on our Substack today to help support us while receiving exclusive content. This podcast was co-hosted by Justin Cook, Rowan Zioli, and Jay Gordon Curtis. That's me. It was edited by James Curtis with help from Ronito Villamore. Thanks, Ronito. As always, we want to end with a reminder. There's no such thing as a bad drug. 
They're all just chemicals, natural or unnatural, that exist in our world. It's our relationship with them and how we interact with them that makes the difference. Until next time, have a safe trip.